0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Shepherd Walwin podcast. Now, today we have a very special occasion because we're, we're here talking with Shirley Gallagher, who is the author of a truly beautiful book called Munu, The Most Special Rhino in the World. So seemingly it's a departure from our traditional fair at Shepherd Walwyn. But as I think you'll find, it's very purpose-driven and very focused on, on improving our relationship with our environment, among other things. Um, Now, what I'm going to do very quickly is is introduce you to Shirley, who's um, spent her life protecting the environment and and helping people change their relationship with their environment. So it's a much more collaborative and and nurturing one. And we're going to get into finding out why she wrote this this beautiful, um, stunning book. Um, Shirley, welcome to the podcast.
1: Welcome. Thank you, Jonathan. That
0: lovely introduction. Oh, I mean, Shirley, just for people who are not familiar with your work, I just wonder if you could just introduce yourself and, and explain to why you came to be running the the, the White Lion Foundation, which is which is what you're currently doing?
1: Well, I've spent my life basically helping wild animals in need. So that basically involves sort of rescuing them from really sort of often very tragic conditions. Um, and I've sort of obviously been doing a huge amount of sort of media around their situation. And um, so I've kind of dedicated my life just to helping animals in need. And I felt as though this, well, there was definitely a need for a new wildlife organization and one that was going to take on sort of really big projects that some organizations weren't prepared to do or they didn't have the resources or the time to do so that's basically how I set up the White Lion Foundation.
0: It's really it sounds like some of the the animals that you support I mean Muno being a a great example um I mean very challenging situations so is it that most people are scared away by the the fact that it is so difficult to take care of Muno?
1: I mean Muno was a colossal problem basically. Um, he was a 20, he is a 20-year-old male rhino. He is one of the rarest rhinos in the world, um, one of 80 um, male breeding rhinos left, which is, you know, tragic figures. Um, and Muna was found in a reserve in South Africa, literally wandering around in circles. Um, both his uh, retinas had been detached because um, he'd got into a fight with another male rhino. And it was a really tragic situation. But And it was the first time that South African National Parks, and I would really like to thank them, worked with an organisation, a charitable organisation, and with the amazing Mantis Group and Founders Lodge to relocate this animal to a safe haven and to give him long-term sanctuary. Because previously that option wouldn't have been available for an animal like Munu.
0: Fantastic. (laughs) Um, So how did Munu come to the attention of the foundation?
1: Well, I mean, we had literally just launched the White Lion Foundation at the Palace of Westminster in May, 2019. And then it was the summer of that year that we got a call from Brett Barlow, who's one of our directors, uh, who's a big rhino conservationist. And he sort of said, I've just received this call about this rhino called Munu. And we were all, oh, you know, open mouthful, this is horrendous, this is terrible. What's gonna happen to this rhino? And he sort of said, well, the rhino probably won't be able to, um, to survive unless somebody steps in and does something about it. So immediately um, our board, which is um, Adrian Gardner who is basically the man behind bringing animals, wild animals back into the Eastern Cape. Dr. John Knight, who is one of our top wildlife vets in the world um, and myself and Brett said immediately, yes, let's go with this. Um, We'll take it on as a project. And so we set about (laughs) literally rehoming Moonu. Um, to found founders and building him a you know fantastic five acre facility to keep because obviously rhino they're huge you know animals and they have enormous amount of you know needs and especially somebody like Mooney who has special needs because he was sadly he was blind
0: amazing they just um it sounds like a very special group of people
1: Oh, they are incredible. And also, I have to also mention Madam Sandy Tolman, who's our honorary patron. And also, um, she was, she's incredible. She actually, with His Serene Highness Prince Albert, um, and I, I, I actually was introduced to Sandy at that point, was the person behind helping move the prince's leopards from his little small zoo in the principality to um, South Africa, which was amazing. And also the actress Helen Worth, who is an honorary patron, and she is just one of those great ambassadors for wild animals. And, you know, she has spent years of her life just, you know, campaigning for them. And she is amazing. So we have this really dedicated, brilliant group, actually, uh, and very proactive. And they're But they're all highly knowledgeable, and they can-do people. So um, things happen. As a result, just, and yeah. just,
0: for, just for our listeners, um, Helen Worth, for those who, who may not know, is she's played the role of, of Gail Tilsley for over 40 years and is one of one of Britain's most loved actresses. But um, I think the character comes before the actress, doesn't it really, in our consciousness? So it's one of the things that Helen is a, is a committed conservationist and, and very purpose driven. Yeah, um, no,
1: she is a wonderful, wonderful person and she, she's a passionate conservationist and so and she speaks very eloquently about these issues. So she's been a you know a leading ambassador and we're so honored to have her as you know one of our honorary patrons.
0: <laughs> now now I'm gonna get into what made you write the story about, about Munu, but just as a as a step back, um the foundation is the White Lion Foundation. So I just wondered if you could if you could tell us where that name came from, because I think there's a there's a story in that, isn't there?
1: Yeah, no, there is. There was actually three white lion cubs that were going to be trafficked out of Pakistan. And um, fortunately, we were able to intervene and stop this from happening. Um, and it was really tragic because one didn't know really where the end destination was for these cubs. So we've managed to we, we do have sort of, we do monitor them. Um, and the cubs now have been rehomed in Pakistan and they're safe and well. Um, We did actually try to see if we could get them rehomed to South Africa, but because of CITES and the judge ruling in Pakistan, basically there was no movement of any wild animals out of Pakistan, so that was prevented, but still they have now good lifetime care in Pakistan, which which is amazing, because otherwise their fate was really unknown. They could have died in transit, they could have ended up in some horrendous situation, um, and, you know, that's some, one thing the White Lion Foundation is, you know, so against is the trade in wild animals. It's deadly and it's a huge billion dollar industry and it needs to stop. Um, and so our organization intervened in a, at a time where a lot of people are very sensitive to these issues working in certain countries, working in certain places, but, you know, we, we're brave. And Dr. Knight went out to assess the animals, make sure that they were okay, that their welfare has been taken care of. So you know as an organization we like to be brave and we, we at first and foremost thing is is the animal and are they okay and what's their needs. so that's how we respond we look at what the plight of the animal is and we respond in that basis.
0: And I think it's phenomenal that you're able to help create a solution that kept them um, at home I think really yeah. and given the I mean how and, and I can, if I can encourage the listeners to go and look at the, um, the White Lion Foundation website you'll see pictures of these white lions and they are just the most beautiful creatures I think I've ever seen.
1: They are exquisite, absolutely exquisite. And, you know, very sad that these, because these animals are so beautiful, people want to own them, they want to have them as their private pet. And that's just not how these animals should live. And it's not the environment they should be in. So, you know, the the message out there is, you know, appreciate wildlife in its natural environment. Mm. Please don't try to have it for yourself. Um, because that's just not acceptable these animals have special needs and and they exist perfectly well in their natural habitats.
0: So when you when you founded the the foundation then I know I think you were you were obviously protecting um, as you said you're protecting animals that, that other people don't feel able to protect um, but I understand you, that the foundation does scientific research and then um, and does a lot of awareness raising as well.
1: You know education is really important um, I mean we work with. Um, We have an absolutely beautiful snow leopard project, and um, we work with BWCDO on that um, up in the Karakurin Mountains. And, you know, one of the things that's very important is working with the local community in terms of talking to them, education, making them understand that the snow leopards are not a threat, looking at solutions that maybe if the snow leopards are coming in and taking their livestock, there's ways around that. So we're looking at building bomas so we protect the livestock and then the snow that's what what
0: what are, what are bombers
1: uh bombers are like basically cor- corrals so that the so they're sort of like basically wooden built or concrete built and they protect the, the um livestock from predator attacks Got it. Got it. So it's it's a kind of, it's a very simple technique but it's highly effective and i think when you talk to people in in a you know with empathy and understanding for their situation as well and you can work out solutions. You know, People have to coexist with wildlife on their doorstep in many of the countries we work. And it's not always easy and we have to respect that. So we kind of work together with people and we try and find the best solution that works for everybody.
0: I think that's just, it's such a great thing that you've done there. Because I think it's, it's one of those things where locally there's a, there's a massive problem for local populations. If they're, if they're literally losing the, the, food, the food off their table Absolutely. um then you've got to protect them but also that you know it also m- removes the snow leopard as a threat to to their existence as well doesn't it so it's, it's quite a wonderful solution
1: yes and i mean you know there are as few as like 4 000 snow leopards left in the wild and that is truly truly shocking um so you know some of our iconic animals are are really suffering whether it's the impact from the environment or whether it's just loss of prey and all sorts of reasons uh, or predator, you know, being, unfortunately, you know, revenge killings and stuff that happen or even like taken for trophies. So there are so many issues affecting our wildlife. So we really do now, it's critical. We support them as much as we can.
0: Brilliant. So, so talking about that, that the work in the foundation of the education and, and raising awareness, I can see um, the book that you've written as a wonderful way of doing that for for younger audiences and also for parents because as a parent when i was reading it it was you know there's some really interesting stuff in it and i just wonder if we can if we can move on now to your decision to write um this book and to write a children's book as well
1: yeah so well i mean children are the future and they will be our future conservationists they will be the people protecting the planet protecting our wildlife um, for me i felt as though munu's story was you know, captivating and also Munu as a character, he's such a charming animal, you know, I've seen his rehabilitation and how he's adapted to his new home and he's really quite an extraordinary animal. Plus he has this unique look (laughs) um, because we had to shave off his, um, his horn to make sure he would travel okay and he really is really quite exceptional. So I felt instinctively as though this was a story that would be so compelling for children and they would absolutely love it. And I wanted it to be something that would be a book that would be available to children all around the world. Um, and they would all get the enjoyment of reading me a story, but also understand the messaging behind it and the importance of saving these animals. And from what I understand and know from children, they do have a natural empathy to animals. They do care um, and they're very instinctive about how they feel. And so I felt as though it was a natural story to be told. And then I was very, very fortunate to um, receive a call from Morella Lombardo from um, Shepherd Walwyn, who basically was as passionate about the story because she'd seen Helen Webb talking about it on television uh, with Angela Rippon. And she was as passionate as I was about it. And she sort of said, you know. I think this is the perfect children's book. I think this will be amazing, and she said, "Would you like to write this?" So, um, so I said, Are "The story is almost inside me. I need to write this book," um, and so that's really how it all became about. Um, and then I basically wrote. Munu's story whilst, whilst we're all in lockdown actually. Um, but it, it just flowed and it was very natural. And I think, you know, the fact that Munu is blind, but the blindness is really never a problem because Munu has so many other incredible senses that he can call upon to basically make sure his world is a good world. And there was a team of people around there that all had the expertise and all wanted to help and give Munu a really great life. So. From Munu being this this Rhino who potentially would stumble and fall and, and, and not have a lifetime care, he he basically turned into something that really is an inspiration um, to all of us mm. who know and hear his story.
0: Yeah. And and the illustrations are by um Zoe Barnish, which if anyone's interested in your, or has an interest in children's works, I mean she's a she's a, a really quite a famous illustrator and a very skilled one, which I think we can, if we can we can put some a couple of pictures up on the website for people to see just how good these illustrations are. So, how did that collaboration come about with Zoe?
1: No, it's incredible. I mean, Zoe is so well respected, and she's done work for Sir David Attenborough amongst many notable pieces that she's done. Um, it was actually Morella who made the introduction because I'd explained to Morella that I really wanted a book that would be something that would you know extend over time and be something that people would always remember. You know, so it was felt like a, a classic children's book in many ways. Um, and so Morella understood, and she, she said to me, there's this wonderful illustrator called Zoe Barnish, may I send you through some of her, her drawings, her illustrations? And as soon as I saw them, I just thought, they are absolutely beautiful. Uh, they have real depth, and the character comes through, and I just thought, this is going to work perfectly for the Munu book. Um, but I you know, even every time I would receive you know the drawings to the to, to the to the written word, I actually it was almost like what I imagined in my mind, totally wow. about what I imagined in my mind. she surpassed it. <laughs> um and some of the illustrations are so, so beautiful, and I think that's why it's it's a book that will last. and you know, and hopefully children will remember when they're grown up, and you know they'll want to read it to their children. and so. You know, Moody's story, I think, will be one that, that's timeless, really.
0: Amazing. So who are the ideal readers for your book?
1: I would actually say everyone's an ideal reader, because, I mean, as you said, as a parent, you've, you've read it to your children. And I think that the people really who are interested in wild animals, who are interested in a, a story, I think everyone can read Munu's story. I mean I've I've had adults come back to me and say they really enjoyed it but it is for children and I want children to really feel like they understand and they they know a little bit more about rhino conservation and more about Munu after they've read it and they feel engaged and and excited by what's happening in the world. Um, This is a positive story. Um, I also think for children who maybe are visually impaired I want them to have this story and to feel inspired by it, to, to understand that, you know, there are no limits to what can be achieved. There's always hopeful, you know, you can always be hopeful. And, um, and I think Moonie's story is, is one of hope. So, you know, and there's humour there too as well. So I think everyone can enjoy Moonie's story.
0: And I know you said earlier about children being conservationists of the future. Yeah. Um, so what are, your, what are your plans to develop this further in the future?
1: Well, I mean, we, we hope to extend the range of wildlife books. Um, so that's something we'll be doing. But we're also now through obviously this and through our other our project work, we are doing education programs for schools and extending our reach so that we can, uh, you know, embrace obviously education and, and children's learning so that anything they need to understand about wildlife, we'll see the White Lion Foundation is a very good starting point for that. Um, so there's there's lots of scope for you know all children to become engaged in what we're doing and for wild animals.
0: Fantastic. And I, I, one of the things I particularly like is, that, is given the challenging nature of the work that you guys do, is is a way in in taking care of Moona. Then you're going to be learning stuff about taking care of rhinos, aren't you? That can then that can then be shared with people that are taking care of rhinos in a more conventional sense with with more conventional needs. So it's In that sense, you're you're really improving the field of of research and and really living the purpose of the foundation.
1: Yeah, I Um, mean, our project work with um, with, with critically endangered rhinos continues. I mean, what we want to do is we want to have a rhino rehabilitation um, centre and orphanage at Founders Lodge so that we can help other rhinos like Munu, but also for young orphaned rhinos. And there are plans, hopefully, that Munu, in time, Will find a mate <laughs> and, um, and he will then have offspring which will then obviously add to the population of a very vulnerable species. Um, I mean there are only 254 southwestern black rhinos and that is truly shocking and what we've had in, during COVID times is obviously a, a spike in poaching which is horrific. Um, so now is the time for all the good work that's been done for conservation. Now is the time really to focus our energies and make sure that's not underdone from the pandemic. Um, and we need we need as much support now as ever, really.
0: One hundred percent. And you know, and on, on that, then I mean, because one of the things I'd like to just to to talk about really is is how you guys at the at the White, White Lion Foundation. Um, keep going when there's so much, there's so much negative news about, about destruction of habitat and um, you know, and, and like you say, we're down to, down to 250 approximately 250 um, of, of Munu species. How do you guys keep going when, when the news can be so challenging and, and so disheartening?
1: Well, you know, I've worked on so many projects where I've seen things that you really felt as though, you know, there was no hope, there was no opportunity to change anything. And yet we succeeded. And I think that you you can't sit back and just think, oh, well, this is all so bad. And, you know, there's nothing really that can be done. There's loads that can be done. You know, we have great opportunities now to really, you know, reverse what's happened, the damage that was done for our species over, you know, many, many years and really make a difference. We understand what the problems have been. Now we need to find the solutions and now make things really happen for wild animals. And I think if you, you know, have spent so much time looking in the eyes of wild animals. I've seen, you know, the tortured faces, the, you know, the, the absolutely awful side of what can happen. But then I've seen them reintroduced back into the wild or I've seen them go into a sanctuary environment and I've seen what transformation can happen. And it is huge. And when you see like, it just for example, like Munu, it is absolutely, truly amazing. And that's because there is an expert team behind that. There's people who really care. Who are compassionate conservationists and they you know they want to make a difference and they are doing that and we're doing that so you know i applaud everyone who's out there you know doing that the, the important conservation and welfare work that needs to be done
0: fantastic so um what's next what are you working are you working on other books
1: um, I am. Um, I, I think I have to keep that slightly under wraps at the moment. But um, yes, I do hope that there will be um, a follow up to NUNA at some point. But also we do want to extend the wildlife range so there will be another book soon. Uh, and hopefully, Jonathan, I'll get the chance to talk to you about that when that when that comes through. But, you know, in the meantime, I do the day job, which is basically looking after wild animals. And we're just we just received incredible footage of snow leopards. Um, that were basically our camera traps from the Karakurum Mountains. So we had the first sightings ever of snow leopards in this region that previously had never been studied, which is incredible. So we're hoping to send 30 more cameras up into that area. So, you know, the work continues, and that's just one of many things we're doing. So, um, yeah, please support us. Um, We really appreciate your support. It's a kind organisation, and we do things with integrity. So
0: For those of you who may not know where the Karakurum Mountains are, where, where, where are they?
1: Ah, it's the mountain range. It stretches over across Pakistan, and then through to China. So it's, it's, a, it's wow. a vast, vast mountain range. And we're just in a small pocket of it where we believe that basically the snow leopards are, but they haven't previously been studied. So that's what we're doing.
0: And you've, you've captured, although obviously locally, people would say that they, they exist, you've, you've, you've captured yeah. the first pictures yeah. of them.
1: Yes, we have visual evidence now. And it was a mother, actually, and her two cubs. So it was Amazing. Very, It was so beautiful. Yeah. So there you go. They're, they are the successes. And when you have those moments, it makes everything worthwhile.
0: Amazing. So where can we find out more about the, about the charity and, and support the foundation?
1: Oh, that's wonderful, Jonathan. If you visit thewhitelinefoundation.com, um, and you'll see all our work there and the people who are involved. So. That's
0: fantastic. Um, well, Shirley, best of luck with the um, with the book launch, and I look forward to speaking to you again. Thanks very much.
1: Thank you so much, Jonathan. Really appreciate
0: it. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, that was a fabulous interview with with Shirley Gallagher, who's written a book called "Munu, the Most Special Rhino in the World," and it's illustrated by Zoe Barnish. It makes a fabulous gift for um, well, for young, for children, and. Um, and if you'll see some of the images on the on the Shepherd Walwin website and also on the, the Whitelionfoundation.com website as well. So please check it out because they are doing amazing work. So ladies and gentlemen, until next time, keep reading.